What's up, everybody? Welcome to TCB. Today's episode is fantastic. Our guest today is Karen Hurt. If you don't know Karen, she's amazing. She's the founder of Let's Grow Leaders, an organization that helps leaders around the world achieve breakthrough results without losing their soul. She's a former Verizon Wireless executive with over two decades of experience in sales, customer service, and HR. She was recently named to Inc.'s list of 100 great leadership speakers and the American Management Association's 50 Leaders to Watch. She's the author of four books, Winning Well, Overcoming an Imperfect Boss, Courageous Cultures. We're going to tackle that one today. She's even got a children's book called Glowstone Peak. I think you're going to love this one. So let's get right on into it with Karen Hurt on today's TCB. Welcome to Sky Team's The Corporate Bartender. If you work in HR or make people decisions in your organization, this is the place to be. Now pull up a stool, belly up to the bar, and join us for The Corporate Bartender. Welcome, everybody. <clears throat> Welcome back to The Corporate Bartender. Here we are, episode 61, uh, November 4th, a day that will live in infamy. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Mark chatted in breaking news Groundhog Day as election results are still on TV. Yeah. I think that's going to be the case for for a little bit there Mark so cheers everybody. <laughs> All right. Well, today is going to be a fun day. We've got a bunch of new folks here. We've got a special guest in Karen Hurt, the author of Courageous Cultures. That's going to be a fun conversation. All right. So agenda for today, we're going to do what we do. We'll go through kind of who we are and get into the interview, do a little Q&A, laugh a little bit, and then hopefully get on out of here a little bit wiser than we were before. Um, new folks. So we always ask new folks to say hello, let us know who you are, where you are, what you do, um, and then tell us one boring fact about yourself. Mark made me do this today to him. <laughs> taste my own medicine. So Mr. Leonard, are you, where are you? What do you do? And what's boring about you? Yeah. So I am Aaron Leonard. Uh, I live in the wonderful city of uh, Erie, Colorado, and I am a learning management system administrator. I'm an instructional designer. I, uh, I wear many hats, not unlike the hat you're wearing right now. It is a hat. Indeed. It is. And um, one boring fact about yourself? One boring fact. I, I actually, it, see, I had prepared, so I, I knew I was going to be prompted for a boring fact. <laughs> Excellent. And I was going to say that I have more hair metal knowledge than anybody else in the room, mm. but now Paul is here. <laughs> yeah, he'll give you a run for your money. He will. Especially, so, especially um, if, if you restrict it to the KISS area. Right. Yeah. So um, my, I will say boring fact, I am not a fan of the outdoors. Mm. Well, it's about to become your season, the season yes. of indoorsness. Very much. Excellent. So. Well, thanks for thanks for coming. Welcome. All right, Mr. Olson. Top that. Wow. So, yeah, Paul <laughs> Olson. I live in Erie, Colorado, originally from Wisconsin. I guess you can call that a boring fact. So there you go. Moved here 21 years ago, been in HR for over 25 years. I'm currently a recruiter at a company called Regroup in Westminster. And maybe a not so boring fact is I am a founder of Packers Kiss. Yes, go Packers. Yes. Go. So 
So can can you just tell the group what is Packers Kiss real quick? Well, Ruby's a member. I know so she's the kitty. I wish I had a I wish I had a photo to share, but um four of us, so my wife Jill Ruby and Rick Vesley dress up as Kiss in green and gold. So picture that Kiss makeup, green and gold, Packers jerseys, and we attend a one usually one Packers game a year, usually a road game. We've been doing and- it for I think we've been on five tours so far. And and Paul, have you ever been on television? <laughs> Interviewed by Fox Sports LA last year. We were on Monday Night Football a year and a half ago, I think it was. Uh, yeah, Monday Night Football <laughs> game at Lambeau Field. So we were in USA Today <laughs> last year as well. So <laughs> Packers kiss. You didn't know it was a thing. Now you do. You'll never be able to unsee it in your brain. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Thanks for hanging out. Welcome. All right, uh, Chuck, tell us a little about you. Eric, uh, good to see everybody. My name is Chuck Pasali. I'm an employment lawyer here in Denver. I'm from Colorado. I conjured an entirely different image when you used the expression Packers kiss earlier, I have to say. <laughs> um, that means a lot of different things here. Uh, but uh, I worked uh, a long time uh, with Lori, uh, primarily doing compliance training programs for a variety of different employers here in Colorado. Oh, what's boring about me? I completely lack mystery. I am about as <laughs> un-nuanced a person as you could possibly find. Fantastic. Well, welcome to this group of really boring people as well. Oh, good. Perfect. Excellent. Well, thanks. Thanks, new folks. Hey, Finky, it's good to see you back, buddy. How you doing? I'm great. How you doing, Spence? Doing all right, man. New job treating you well? Yeah, keep, doing really well. Just keep me too busy to jump on these four o'clock happy hours, you know? <laughs> Well, right on. I need good a real happy hour. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, it's good to it's good to see you, buddy. It's good to see you. Uh, I'm going to do a little shameless Ruby promotion today um, versus promoting my my own article this week. Uh, Ruby Ruby wrote like the bright side companion piece to my I'm not okay article, <laughs> and uh, hey Ruby, do you just want to just want to say one 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 quick fact about your article? What's it about? Um, well, it's been a week, <laughs> so it's about you shifting your perspective for the rest of the year. Um, I, I've heard, I think what sparked it was I saw something on Facebook and the only thing they said, it was a meme and it said, I want 2020 to be over. And it made me a little sad. <laughs> like we're still, we're still alive. You know, we're still here. Let's yeah. like, how can we shift that a little bit the last couple of months? Um, easier <clears throat> said than done sometimes. And some of you are really going through some drama. So don't want to downplay that. But if you feel like, yeah, I might need to shift it up a little bit, check it out. There's some good reflection questions in there. Yeah. Ruby and I were, oh, Leah just put the, a link to it in the chat. So you guys Aww, can just thanks, click Leah. it. <clears throat> yeah. R- Ruby and I were talking about that after she wrote this article. It's, it's so good. Um, and, and it made Morak cry. So, you know, that's a mark of a good article. <laughs> but we were just talking about all the learning and all the upside that has come out of such a challenging year. You know, we we have this we we do we do this as a thing together now that we would have never done. Right. 60, so I we've done this 61 times we've done this. Yeah. And I am super grateful. I say it every week, but I'm super grateful for this amazing community of folks. You guys you guys keep me glued together when sometimes I don't know that I could do that on my own. So 
check out Ruby's article. It's definitely worth, definitely worth your time. Quick uh, couple of headlines here. Um, given our topic today, I, I pulled a couple of cultural headlines. So the first one uh, was just an interview <clears throat> with the CEO um, of, a, of a company, Bright Insight, where he was talking about maintaining corporate culture during a, a pandemic. And what I thought was interesting about this article was um, it's, a, it's a startup and he, they've hired 40% of their current staff during the pandemic. Wow. So all, all sight unseen, well, in, in real life, virtual site, but not real life site, which I thought was, I thought was pretty fascinating. Um, and he had like a couple of bullet points in there, you know, hire people who believe in your mission. And that's really their first pass filter for hiring folks uh, in this new virtualized world. So Forbes article was pretty good. Uh, a couple of HBRs here. <clears throat> this one I thought was really interesting. It said successful companies live up to this ancient Greek ideal. Um, <laughs> and it, what was interesting about this, it says, you know, that most people would argue that successful companies are focused on ESG metrics, right? So those are things, environmental, social, and governance metrics. Um, and they compared that to this Greek ideal um, called philotomy, which don't make any jokes. Don't make any jokes, Chuck. Uh, it's P-H-I-L-O-T-I-M-Y. <laughs> Okay. Um, so it's two Greek words, uh, the Greek word philos, which means friend or love and timi, which means honor, but it's one of those words that doesn't really translate. Um, but it's this notion of being decent and having dignity and honesty and altruism and empathy. Um, and the article goes into just kind of how companies that are, that are living those things are actually reaping financial rewards. I thought was pretty interesting. And last but not least, because we talk about we talk about this all the time, this notion of burnout and the you know sort of award culture that a lot of us live in, where you know you get a badge if you work more than the next guy. And um, the healthcare industry was known for that, you know the the sort of beating up of residents and and working them to death. And they've actually flipped that around. Um, going so far as most healthcare systems have a chief wellness officer and they have these formal wellness programs that uh, give folks some control, some choice in how they do their jobs and providing them some, some frameworks um, and resources for actually taking care of themselves. All right. Oh, look, Morag did the Packers kiss background. There's Packers kiss, everybody. <laughs> Paul's on the right and I'm on the left. <laughs> that is awesome. It's kind of intense. And literally you just Google it and it's all over the interwebs. There is no getting away from them. They're awesome. You guys, you guys had no idea that Paul and Ruby were famous. They are legit famous. They get mobbed, mobbed wherever they go. They do. <clears throat> so today's framing question in advance of, of chatting with Karen is related to her work. Um, so I was wondering what keeps you from speaking up when you have a, an idea, a better way to do a thing, or you just want to get past the, well, that's the way we've always done it. We've all been in that situation. What holds us back? I think Can conformity bias. Say that again. Right, Jack. I think it's conformity bias. The desire to fit in 
not uh, shake the tree. It's why organizations can't change, why people can't call out bad cops or bad people. And when we see the need for reform is we all want to fit in. Interesting. Even even in a see something, say something culture that we try to promote. What were you going to say, Mariah? I was going to say continually getting shut down. So mm. you, you've presented your ideas, but they don't go anywhere. And so you present them again and you just keep getting your hand slapped. So at some point you just stop. You check out for sure. Thanks, Mariah. What else? Tina agrees with you, Mariah. She says bingo. Just plain insecurity right? They're not going to like my idea. They're going to laugh. This is dumb. I don't honestly know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, who said um, imposter syndrome? I yep. just, I actually just listened to that podcast this morning. So it's very fresh in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. What else? What else holds us back? Um, I something maybe that you will have to like lead that change. Um, you know, yeah, you're signing people, up for extra work. <laughs> yeah, you know, like sometimes people, it's like, well, this, oh, great. So you should do that. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Didn't really think of it that way, but sure. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think of the, of the negative ramifications, you know, the, the, Ruby always talks about the trash talk roller coaster in our heads. Um, the things that we think might happen that never happen. Um, we always talk about what we call the meeting after the meeting. You know, you're in the meeting and the leader says, all right, everybody on the same page. Can I get a thumbs up? Do we all agree? And everybody goes, yes. And then we leave the meeting. And as we're walking out, I lean over to Ruby and go, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. That's never going to work. <laughs> You know, Morag's never going to approve that. We don't have the budget for that. Uh, we tried that three years ago and it didn't work. All of these things that probably aren't even true. So with that, I'd like to welcome to the conversation, Karen Hurt. Hi, Karen. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. So before we get into to your topic, to your book, to what's going on in your world. Tell us a little bit about you. Why, why would anyone want to listen to Karen Hurt speak? Give us a kind of an overview of your arc, including any weird or interesting jobs that you've had in your past. Okay. So, well, I spent 20 years at Verizon before founding Let's Grow Leaders. So the first decade was HR. So leadership development, organizational development, business partner, merger integration. I did everything but compensation. And then I went over and did a variety of field assignments. So uh, I led a 2,200 person sales team, a 10,000 person customer service organization. So I've seen both wow. sides of the HR. I've been the client of HR and I have been the HR business partner. And so I think that does give me a unique perspective in working with HR people uh, to have been <laughs> on both sides of that. The weirdest job I ever had I was probably it wasn't super weird, but it was really fun. I ran a pool and I was the head swim team coach. And the weirdest oh, thing wow. that happened in that job was that as a practical joke, one of the other pool managers came and filled my pool on my very first day that I was the manager with fish. <laughs> so I go in, I unlock the door and there are fish swimming all around. And because I, I have the, also have the swim team, I went I sent the swim team home 
to get fishing rods because I thought oh that would be, so they, I had all these little six and under kids with fishing rods trying to get the thing, that didn't work. So finally I turned up the chlorinators and slowed down the fish and then we could catch them and scoop them up. <laughs> wow, that's <Yeah>. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we got, uh, you know, it's interesting how we got so curious about this topic of courageous cultures is, uh, so we run a company with, called Let's Grow Leaders. Uh, we work with clients around the world to get breakthrough results and stay a decent human being along the way through very practical tools. So we were going in and we were doing these programs and it did not matter what industry we were in. It did not matter what country we were in. We were noticing a similar phenomenon. And we would go in and work at the very senior levels of organizations. And we would hear things like, gosh, why don't people speak up? Why don't they share their ideas? Why am I the only one who has to find these problems? What's wrong with my managers? <laughs> and then we would go in and do training at the very front line of those very same organizations. So we would hear things like, nobody wants my ideas. All the things you just said, nothing ever happens anyway. The last time I, I spoke up, I got in trouble. Someone stole credit for my idea. We thought, mm. are you working for the same company? So you know, <laughs> leaders really do, most leaders really do want ideas. Many employees really do have ideas and want to share them. And yet somehow there was a disconnect. It was, why is this continuing to happen? So we partnered with the University of North Colorado Social Research Lab, a pretty extensive research study. So it was a quantitative study where we studied across a variety of industries. Why were people not speaking up? And if they were speaking up, uh, what, what was happening in the culture? Mm -hmm. And what were the ideas that they were holding back? And it was really Ooh. interesting. The ideas that they were holding back weren't trivial. It wasn't like, oh, I would like kombucha in the break room. Or it was I'm withholding ideas that would improve the customer experience, the employee experience, or would improve productivity in a pro process. And so, so that's what the, the research was all about. And then, so uh, I can share some of that, you know, some of what the findings were, but then we came up with a seven step process for how do you do this well? And so mm -hmm. what, is, what we couldn't have anticipated, I mean, nobody wants to launch a book in the middle of a pandemic, right? Like, <laughs> you, you know, I'm like, are you kidding me? After three years, this is when we're gonna, you know, all of our in-person speaking and the book signings were all canceled. Out. It's yeah. gonna be terrible. But as it turns out, this happens to be these tools are what people need right now. Yeah. And so we have had, it's not the experience we thought we would have, but it's been fa fantastic. Uh, just really working with people to say, you know, how can you do the best you have with what you can, you know, with where you are right now? What are the best ideas pe people have? When you've got people working from home, how do you do this fast pivot? And how do you not just make those decisions at a senior level, but how do you really draw in the best ideas from everyone across your organization? Yeah, it, it's interesting. You know, I was thinking about a story fr from your book about about the the guy who had the workaround in the customer service process yeah. that actually made the experience way better for the customer, and he kind of got known as being well. You go to this guy because that's how you get your that's how you get your stuff done. But it was happening totally off the record. It was happening yeah. totally in secret. Um, how do you get people to? to break through all of those, all of those things that we talked about in the, in the frame um, and actually muster the gumption to bring those ideas to the fore. Is that on me as an employee or is that on you as a leader in our organization to make that happen? 
Well, it, it really starts with the leader, right? And so we, we tackle the problem from, from both sides, honestly. Mm -hmm. you know, so let me just share a little bit about why we found people weren't speaking up. So 67% said people don't speak up because leader, their leadership operates around this is the way we've always done it. 49% uh, said nothing will happen with my ideas. My idea won't be taken seriously. The interesting one that surprised me, and as we were sharing this in keynotes, when we would have a large audience, it was the one that would have the biggest like, aha uh -huh reaction from the audience was 57% said that they wouldn't get credit for their idea. And really? yeah, and when we flesh that 57% up, it would be like, people are like, yes, somebody stole my idea, you know, and then there'd be a big line of people telling us their stories about how they didn't, you know, in the past, somebody stole their idea. That was the most surprising finding. And 40% said, I lack the confidence to mm. share the idea. And, and where does that come from? And so we did a lot of qualitative research too, a lot of interviews and a lot of case studies and what we really found, and uh, part of our work is grounded and with uh, Dr. Amy Edmondson, who wrote The Fearless Organization. She's a psychological mm -hmm. safety pioneer. Uh, yep. She wrote the forward to our book. So she, you know, she says, people are much more likely to hold on to a negative experience than a positive experience, For sure. which means that even if you are showing up as the very best leader, like you're creating a psychologically safe environment, you're proactively going out and asking, you're responding to ideas, it is still possible that somebody is holding on to a negative experience from their past and that is preventing them from speaking up. So go, knowing that about your team is something that we really work with, with, with executives on saying, it might not be you. It might be mm. something that happened before you, which gets people, it, that lowers the, uh, it makes them more willing because they're like, I don't need this. And you're like, well, right, right. maybe. <clears throat> so, that, so it starts with what we call navigating the narrative. And that's your narrative as a senior leader or your narrative as an HR person, are you willing to speak up? And because if people are watching you and you're, you're you know, an HR leader and they're like, yeah, I hear you, but I just watched you play the political game or I just watched you nod in the meeting and then I know you don't agree. So if you're scared, I'm scared too. And, and so one of the things we do is we go back and say, have people do a courage map of their history of, of speaking up and their history of courage and ask what was their most courageous act at work so that they can pull forward those positive experiences and a time they did stand up for their values and the positive consequences of that and help bring that in so that they're not holding onto those negative experiences. So what does that look like? What, what a courage map, that, that's an interesting concept. Is it a, just a collection of experiences? I mean, what does the output look like? Yeah, so what we ask is we do this in a variety of ways. So if we were working with, if we were doing a whole day workshop right now, what we would start with navigating your narrative and that's step one of the seven step process. We would say in the timeline of your career, what were the moments where you felt most courageous at work? Mm -hmm. What happened? And what were the values that drove that? And you know, one of the things that is so interesting, and, and as you put people in breakout rooms and they talk about this, they say, you know, at the when I think about it, it was really a courageous moment. But at the time, I didn't feel particularly courageous. I just felt like I had to do what I needed to do. I was, mm. you know, and, and so there's the a value that's at play there. And so helping people tap into that, then it makes it easier then to, to tell those stories, first of all, to their teams, but also to ground themselves in, hey, if I spoke up before and it worked, then maybe I can do it again.
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, then from there, you know, the next thing is really creating clarity and that's clarity around two things. One, being really clear that you actually really do want people's ideas and clarity about what a good idea would accomplish. And we found this was really important as we began doing this work with folks is to not just go out and say, where do you, do you have any ideas? You know, do you have any ideas of how we can pivot to remote, remote work? It's just too broad, yeah. you know? And so the more you can say, we need, this is where our strategic priority is for the next six months. What ideas do you have around that? And so as in the work we've been doing with companies uh, in, in these virtual workshops, we will teach the tools and then we will say, okay, give us your top three, four or five priorities, depending on how big the group is. And then we'll put people in rooms and then we'll they'll have them using the tools around those strategic priorities. Works way better than being general. So that's a, another yeah. piece of advice there. I, I, I love the tools. I, I love all of your acronyms too. Um, you have a tool for parsing down the, the wheat from the chaff, right? And it's called Own the Ugly. Can you talk about owning the ugly? Yeah, so this is such a simple technique. And as HR professionals, you can facilitate this. You do not need an external facilitator. And that's why I love it so much. And every single time we've used it, it has led to like an idea that did not, people hadn't been talking about before. And so U stands for what are we underestimating? What are we underestimating about this strategic thing that we want to be working on? Gee, what's got to go? What do we need to stop doing in order to make this new thing happen? L, where are we losing? You know, where are we losing key KPIs? Where are we losing to the competition who might be doing this better than us? And my favorite, which is why, where are we missing the yes? And this is that perhaps where is there, there are a totally new opportunity, a totally different way of doing things that we might have not thought of before. And what has been really fascinating is there have been a lot of where are we missing the yes things that have surfaced, but you've got to get that, but, but you can't do that without letting some of the things go. You know, and I even think about our own company, the, you know, the year we had planned, just like all of you, is not the year that we're living. And strategically, we had to make a shift and it, it, it's, and we had to think, where are we missing the yes? Can you do remote keynotes? Is that a thing? You know, can, what, so, you know, what's got to go? Maybe hanging on to the way we did things in the past and embracing the new technology and, you know, getting the new studio. So I think for every company, that's been really fun to have people think really deliberately. And the other thing is, you know, um, don't lose that because you're in this period of massive innovation. And the worst thing that could happen is we go back to more of a hierarchical way of doing things. It was, it was really interesting. Um, our, biggest, our biggest client, we had a big decision to make because we had planned for all of their people to do this. Uh, we're gonna trade every president, VP and director, and they were all flying everybody in. They had a huge plan mm-hmm. and it was going to be a big part of our year. And I, I talked, you know, to the uh, CHRO and I said, what do you want to do? Do you want to wait? You know, because it, it was real. And we had, of course, we had sold in why it was so important for them to invest to fly in. I mean, I built the business case of why they should. I mean, like you're kicking yourself at this point. Right. But um, he just looked at me and it was so early on. It's like March. And he said, Karen, there is no better time to do leadership training than right now. 
because people are already being forced to think differently. While they're thinking differently, I want you to give them the school, the tools and the skills and some ways to do this well, because they are desperate now. They're so worried about leading well right now. And um, so he said, yeah, let's figure out, let's figure out how to make, turn this all to a remote thing. And it's, it's been fantastic. So building on that in this pivoted virtualized world, what are you finding from your body of work that's translating really well here? Yeah, it's teaching people critical thinking skills. So you, to how to help, help people frame and think about their ideas, A, giving them permission to think about them, right? Being clear that you really do want their ideas and then giving them tools, giving leaders tools to mind, which we call cultivate curiosity for mind to mind for those ideas. And I can share a couple of those and then giving your people ways to think about their ideas more strategically. This is so interesting, you know, when, when people do competency model and modeling and they say, you know, my team is just not that strategic. And we dig underneath <laughs> of that, you know, what's usually, they usually don't have enough context to be strategic. I mean, right. you know, like, yeah, well, if I knew what you knew, then I'd be able to think about that, but you haven't given me that information. So I don't know. So um, our idea model, another acronym, which is, is how, when we, once we put you in this room where you're thinking about you doing only ugly and you're brainstorming all these ideas, and then you ask them, how can we questions in this process? Then once you have a couple of ideas you wanna think about, that's when we introduce the idea model to say, I, why is this idea interesting? So teach your people to say, oh, good, how very nice. <laughs> why is this idea interesting? Meaning, why is this idea strategically aligned with where, where we said we needed a good idea? Because you don't just need ideas right now. You need ideas around the areas you need ideas. Um, D, is this idea doable? Meaning, could we pull this off? With everything else in this context, with people who already overwhelmed, is this something we could pull off right now? Because it might be a great idea, but it might be a, a, a great idea for nine months from now. But is it something we can do right now? E, is it engaging? And this is where you teach your people to think about stakeholders, key stakeholders, right? E, engaging, who else might think this is a good idea besides you? Who else might we need to pull in? Go talk to HR. Do you think they would support this, right? And then A, what are a couple of key actions, key next steps? So interesting, doable, engaging actions. I love that. I, I love the way it, it, it deep dives into things that we wouldn't normally do when we come up with an idea or we have our work around or the things that, that work for us. This forces us to think to your point more critically and more deeply about the idea its applicability how realistic is it and to have some interesting conversations about it along the way because to work through the process you don't do that in a vacuum you don't do that by yourself right yeah. you do that with people yeah you know a really and another really important part of this whole process so you've navigated the narrative you've created clarity you've cultivated curiosity you've used some curiosity tools the next most important thing is what we call respond with regard so if you recall that 49% of people said, well, nothing will, is ever nothing will ever happen. Some of the time, it's not that nothing ever happened. 
it's just, and you know, this is HR professionals, right? You'll get, do an employee engagement survey. You get all that. You'd go do all the action plans. And yet, and then people say, are still complaining about the same thing that you already fixed. And it's because that feedback loop didn't happen. It happens with ideas a lot too. One of the deep dive case studies that we did in the research was a large financial institution. And they had a huge, very, very sophisticated um, suggestion system. So people, okay. it, was, it was like super cool. Like you, you submitted it and then people did like the likes, you know, like you like it on Facebook and if it got a lot of likes and people could do comments and if it got enough likes, then it go, went to the next level. And I mean, it was just super cool. And we're like, oh, wow, your employee engagement results must be fantastic. And the senior <laughs> leader said, yeah, no, not so much. And we said, well, what do you let people, he said, the interesting thing is that about half the ideas we get from the system are something that we're already doing. The ideas have already been implemented. And we said, well, did you let people know your idea was so good? We're actually already doing it? Ooh, no. So these ideas were going into the system and the, and somebody was vetting them like, oh, well, we're already doing that. No big deal. Right. But no, and no loop closure, no loop closure. And that was creating massive dissatisfaction for them. And so, you know, so, so that's how, you know, when we talk about respond with regard, it doesn't matter whether you're actually using the idea or not using the idea, you can still respond in this, in this way, one with gratitude, information, and then an invitation. So gratitude, thank you so much for thinking about that idea, right? Information, and the information you're providing varies depending on what you're going to do with the idea. You know, actually, so we're gonna say we're not using that idea. It's not strategically aligned with where we're going. Actually, we aren't going to do that right now because our three most important priorities are this, your idea would take us in that direction and we've got to stay focused here. And then an invitation. I would love your ideas about this strategic direction. What mm. ideas do you have? Or you could say maybe it's half-baked idea. Like we get a lot of half-baked ideas, right? Sure. Gratitude, thank you so much for thinking about it. Information, here's what else. Here's some other things that you should know. Could you go and do some research around this? Could you find out this? And then, in, you know, and then an invitation mm. to invite them to continue to be part of the process. You know, and um, so... That I think that gratitude information and invitation, it really makes all the difference right now. I mean, just on our team this past week, this bless her heart. She came with this, <laughs> you know, I mean, her heart was good. She's thinking about the strategic direction of our company. And I'm like, how in the world? It was so far, far away from what we do and where we are. And, I, and but, you know, so I can see, you know, I'm like, oh, this is what these executives are dealing with, right? <laughs> so I said, you know, but I was like, all right, well, I know the formula, gratitude, information, and invitation. And it worked well. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, those, that's where you need ideas. Okay, well, let me think about that. And, and basically what I was like, no way, you know, it's really what I had said to her. I just had said it to her a little more strategically. Well, and, and you're in a situation where she felt comfortable even raising this crazy half-baked idea. Well, yeah, because she read, <laughs> she read, read, read the book. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I love that. Just getting people to be comfortable to say the thing, right? We talk a lot about culture here and especially trying to maintain culture in a world where we don't have, 
we don't have ad hoc conversations. We don't run into each other at the coffee. We don't, we don't have this greater context yeah. that we used to have. Um, what are you seeing out there that, that in this sort of idea generation innovation space that we're able to, to, to replicate some of that and, and continue the ideas to come in when we move from zoom meeting to zoom meeting to zoom meeting and we're always on a task-based focus how do we how do we have that conversation well i will tell you breakout rooms are your friend i mean that to me has been the real the real game changer and in some mm -hmm. ways i think it's actually better in a virtual environment you know from for that not in general. Uh, uh, no, I would agree with you on that front. <laughs> you know, so you've got a strategic, you've got a strategic decision you need to make, or you you need people's really creative ideas. But you've got, you know, this is that's a lot for all of us here, twenty of us or whatever on the call to think about that. But if I say, you know what, I've got in five minutes, I'm going to put you in groups of three. Boom, you zoom them into the breakout rooms. Here's the strategic question. I want you to come up with your best three ideas, and I will tell you. How, this is a fun example of something we've been doing in our training. We call it five by five in five with five. And uh, so Dave, my husband, David named that and I think it's cute, but it's like, so we, one of our key concepts when we talk about creating clarity and we do this in our winning well work as well, which is our other book is five, anything that's important, you need to communicate five times, five different ways five times five different ways. So to generate, well, what does that look like? So we could sit there and just say, well, here, you got it. Here's a way, here's a way, no. You, all right, so we're gonna put you in groups of five. You have five minutes to come up with the, uh, given this topic, five ways, the five really creative ways, generate as many as you can, but we're going to try to crowdsource for the best ways. And so then what we do is we bring, so they go into the rooms and they come back and so they're talking about communicating in remote teams because people are getting so sick of all the same things. Yeah. And so then they come back and we say, okay, once if it's a contest. So if somebody, if another group has put, uh, has come up with the same idea, cross it out. So we get people thinking of the really creative ideas. And then from there, uh, you know, we say, okay, but the thing is it has to be doable because the first time we did this, people were like, yeah, I would rent an airplane and I'd have one of those little fly things behind. And we're like, all right, no new parameter. It needs to also be doable. But you know, that people are saying, well, you know, I would change my Zoom backdrop to have the key strategic message on it, right? I would send a handwritten note to the employee's home. I would, I, would, I would send them a, a, a virtual coffee, which actually happened to be the other day. My, like the doorbell rang and there were muffins. Like, what? I know, <laughs> I know. He said, well, I invited you for a coffee meeting. I was like, oh, right. But you know, that I do, did I feel gotten recognized? You know, that it just was, and it was, I mean, I saw the receipt, it was $12 and it made my day, I'll tell you. So people come up with these, just these ideas and the ideas, then you get people thinking, all right, so you're not going to do something crazy every time, but if something is really strategically important, how do you know, you do your, you do your zoom meeting, you do your breakout, you do your text message thing. And then could you pull in one of these creative ways? And so the clients that we've been doing this with have, have been telling us that the, they really have mixed it up quite a bit since then. But that's a good use of breakout rooms, right? Yeah, yeah. And muffins. Now we know. And muffin, muffin delivers a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well,
Karen, if we could take one thing away from all the work and all the research that you've done that would improve our quality of life during this crazy time at work, what could we do? How should we show up differently? So one simple way is I would say find one area. It doesn't have to be, you know, a blue sky, like something that's going to completely transform your organization. Just pick one simple area that's broken or where you really need a good idea or where you are stuck and be really clear about what that idea is. And then go out and ask what we call a courageous question. What does that look like? Uh, so a courageous question differs from a regular question in two ways. It's specific and it's vulnerable. Ooh. So let me give you an example. So uh, my friend, Don Yeager, who um, I've, been, I've worked with in a variety of capacities over the last dozen years, he asks, his, he's a call center uh, COO. He goes out to the front line and he asks his agents, what is one of our policies that just sucks? Oh, I love it. I, I love it because it's just, it's specific. He's just asking for one, which makes it easy, but it's vulnerable because he is assuming that there are policies that he created likely that are ticking off the customers and that the agents are the ones that are going to hear them. And he has made it okay for them to tell them to tell him. And once he does and he, but the key is he doesn't do it once. They, they see, you know, he's regularly doing, okay, well, we, we've just changed a bunch of things. What's one policy that's just sucks? And um, so I think that, and then he respond. he's got to do all the other things with it. Right. It's got to have that follow through because <laughs> if you ask people what sucks and nothing changes, well, that right. sucks more. <laughs> yeah. And then the other, I just want to get this in here for, because you are HR professionals is we have a whole section on building an infrastructure for courage. And this is, you know, what, what are your HR policies, procedures? Are they inhibiting people mm. speaking up or are they encouraging it? And just one to think about is onboarding. Because in your new hire orientation, you know, we, we talk about this uh, clarity and curiosity, this whole toggle throughout the book, this toggle between clarity and curiosity. Generally, most HR uh, orientations are clarity. Here, here are, here's our strategy, here's our policy, here's our culture, here are our values, right? Sign these papers, clarity. You need all those. There is such an opportunity for curiosity here though. Some of these people are walking in their door from a competitor, you know, before they lose those ideas, how can you be clear? You know, the way we do things around here is we really do want you to speak up and share your ideas. In fact, here's an area, how did your, how to ask a courageous question. How did the place you come from do this better than us? And maybe they don't oh. even know yet because they haven't been there long enough. So you could say, I'm going to come back and ask you that question in a month. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. yeah. Play <laughs> Lori just chatted in. I love this onboarding idea. Hey, Lori, why does this one speak to you? So, and I saw, I saw Leah grabbing her pen and because <laughs> she, she's a point person for us for onboarding. Um, I love that because one of our core values is innovation and it's pretty much the, the core reason we exist in the ecosystem in which we operate in. And so we're of our core values, that's the one where we get feedback that there might be a tension between what we say and how it feels, right? We experiment without fear of failure. Well, do we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so 
um, I kind of I kind of like that connection to this is what we're about. This is our secret sauce. This is the value we bring to our industry. And so let's just start exercising that muscle from the minute you walk in the door. Right. How do you how do you brainstorm? How do you come up with ideas? How do you contribute? Um, I really like that. Well, and, and it's it's walking the talk on your core values, right? And you're you're giving them an opportunity to live it day one. Yeah, because the the one other thing I've been thinking about, Karen, is is we have we have serious structure around idea management. We have software that's idea management software. Okay. And we have a process for idea assessment teams, and we have right all in the vein of technology innovation, right? But where we're lacking is everything else, right? We don't, we don't approach all of the other idea management the way we have such diligence and structure around technology innovation, which is kind of ironic, right? We, we spend gigantic amounts of time and budget and, and structure around it in one context, but not across the whole organization in the same way. So it's making me think about that differently too. So Lori, you're so, that's so interesting. We just did a program a week and a half ago where the chief innovation off, they were very similar tech company. Um, he, he called, he's like, so four days, all we're gonna be talking about is innovation with a capital I. And um, so I know you're our closing keynote speaker. Um, please tell me you're talking about innovation with a little I. <laughs> Hey, he said, because that's the part that we're missing. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, so that's what we call micro innovation, right? It's the little things, like how do you show up every single day? And just, to, oh, asking how could we do this a little bit differently? And that I think is a whole different thing. Eric, are you going to share that idea incubator guide um, that I sent with these guys? I am, I actually posted it over on the uh, Bartender Network this afternoon. So you guys can, Pop over there um, and grab it. It is there for download. So what? So what that is is that is some of the really practical tools that you could just pull through if you wanted to use try some of them yourself. And uh, we also gave you the first uh, couple chapters of the book, including Amy Edmondson's Forward, and it has a little bit about the research there. So I'd love for you to get the book, but if you if you just even if you start with these tools, I think it will help you. Yeah. So Karen, th that that's a really good segue. Where, now that you've piqued everybody's interest, where can we find you? Where do we go to find you online? Uh, I'm assuming the book is available where fine books are sold everywhere. Yes. yes, it is. So the book is called Courageous Cultures, How to Build Teams of Micro Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates. And my company is called Let's Grow Leaders. And I would love to connect with you on LinkedIn. I'm Karen with an I. On Fridays, since you like this kind of stuff, on Fridays I do a, a asking for a friend program at 11:30 Eastern on Fridays. I and, love that, <laughs> and it's just gone live. So I had I, I, for the last year I've been doing them recorded, and it's been fun. But LinkedIn just said, "Hey, do you want to take your program live?" So that's been fun. So I bring on guests, and we just tackle different business problems. But we're known for really practical tools. There's not a lot of theory. It's stuff you can use right away. Um, awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here with us today. Guys, do you have questions for Karen? 
So I have one that I've been thinking about, yeah, (laughs) as you've been talking and I'm loving all of this. There's someone on this call that chatted me and and they said, she's blowing my mind. And I was like, yes, me too. (laughs) Cause it's sparking all these ideas, right. And how we can tactically do things differently. Um, So, and I love all of the models because it, it helps, it gives me some models to put in that innovation bucket. Because innovation always feels so, I don't know, messy or hard to pin down. So I think these are really great tools. Um, And one thing I wanted to ask was when I'm coaching leaders, it seems like, and I think it's true, right? The further along we get in our career and the higher we sit in an organization, the less that people are willing to be courageous with us. Mm-hmm. and tell us the truth. Mm-hmm. So I was, uh, so my question was, what tactics would you, would you use when coaching leaders in that situation, those high level leaders? Yeah. So um, I have like a law, lot, a lot, <laughs> but let me just tell you this one technique that you yeah. worked really well. So we call this the fear forage. And honestly, Ruby, we discovered this by accident. So I was working with a really senior, senior team. So it was, they had come and asked me to spend a day with them doing strategic planning work around a key initiative. And so they, who was in the room was the five presidents of all the brands of this global company. Okay. And the people who were in succession planning to be in those seats. So it was kind of a wacky, wacky thing because they were also being watched. Like there was some HR, they say HR was there, like they're watching like, okay, we'll see how you do in this context and how do you show up and how do you present yourself? And I'm like, oh my gosh. So they're being strategic. They're coming up with ideas, but they're also being judged, right? So you can imagine maybe they weren't speaking up, right? They were scared and the politics. So I was watching and I just got that sense. You know, when you get that sense, you're like, people are not, they're just not talking. So I went to my purse and I got out a stack of index cards, which I happened to have there from something I had come from. And I handed everyone in the room an index card. And I said, on the front of the room, I'd like you to write your big H and write your biggest hopes for this project. On the back, I'd like you to write your fears. I collected the cards. I said, I'm going to read them out loud, but I'm going to read them anonymously. Mm-hmm. So the hopes, they were everything. They were all the things we had plastered all over it, right? Because that's what we had doing the project. That was all aligned. What was fascinating was the fears. Oh, boy. I do not trust that my peers in this room are going to go back and execute and do what they said they're going to do. I think I'm the only one who's really invested in this project. I don't believe that anybody is really going to do what they say. Every single fear was the same. Wow. So, uh, you know, that, that's an example of how can you get, make them make, get those invisible fears into the room so that people can talk about them. And we have been doing fear forages a couple times a day, honestly, with, with, with companies right now, what are your biggest hopes and fears for the next six months? Because, and then we collect them anonymously, you know, we use our technology to collect them, but then we begin the program by laying out these hopes and fears. And there is always a palpable exhale. When people realize, oh, I am not the only one who feels this way. Now we can have a productive conversation. So, I mean, Ruby, that I know that it's a more complicated answer than, than that, but I think that it, the, that rule applies is how, do you make, how can you make it a bit safer? 
for people to talk about the things that are are not good. And I I also think there's a, a level of getting the leaders at the senior most level. If you if you have um, if you have a seat at the table with those guys, to let them be vulnerable, to let them model the way, because when those when they actually can come out vulnerable, that's also when I see the others below really step up and be willing to do that too. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, it's that walk in the talk bit, right? It's not just saying that being vulnerable is okay. We're socialized to believe that that makes us weak, but we all know that that's where the magic happens when yeah. our authentic selves can show up. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I and this is the perfect time to do it. So we were doing a, a courageous cultures program for Amazon, and uh, this pretty senior guy. I, it was the best example I've seen this entire time of a senior leader doing this well. So he's got this global conference. It would have he would have flown everybody in. He did not. <laughs> right? It's all so people. I'm like, and it was four days. Wow. And, and we were like the thread. So like we'd come in and then he'd do something else. And then we'd come in, but he started the conference like this. And, the, and you've got to do it this way. Like he looked right into the camera, right? Like right into, we said, look into the green dot. He looked right into the green dot. And he said, so we're going to be doing some really important strategic work today. I've, I've hired these folks to help us, but here's the thing. Before I've picked five strategic areas we're going to do work on. Before we go there, mm. I just want to share with you what's been going on for me. Oh. And then he said, you know what? I've been dealing with this since China. And it, when it started, I thought, oh no, this is our China, our poor China team. How are we going to help our China team? And, like, and I'm neck deep in it. I'm working 24 hours a day trying to help China. Ah, now it's in Italy. I get the call. Now I'm in Italy. And he's like, and now he's like, he's was in the United States. He says, and now it never even occurred to me when we were dealing with all that, it was going to be my problem in my house right here. He said, my two, three-year-olds were just exposed to COVID. My husband, also vulnerable, right? My husband has been running the brunt of this since China, and I have not been there for my family. I am so filled with guilt. And now I am desperately worried my whole house is going to get sick. I am exhausted. He says, I don't say that for you to feel sorry for me. I say that because I know in every single one of your homes, there is something going on. And nothing is more important to me than caring for the human beings that are on this call. So please wow. know that anything I say after this is in that context. Now, holy cow, holy cow, wow. right? And <laughs> do you do you think they came up with some good ideas? <laughs> right? I mean, way to set the frame. <laughs> I was like, oh, I wish that was recorded. It was so perfect. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, Karen, thank you so much for for hanging out with us today. Thanks for sharing these tools. Guys, like I said, if you haven't gotten them, go get them off the network. Let's all give, give Karen a big round of applause, right? All right. Uh, are, are there any other questions for her? I don't want to cut anybody off. I see lots of hearts coming in. 
but no questions. So if you if you want connect with me on LinkedIn, or you can always send me my email is karen.hurt at letsgrowleaders.com. So I'm happy to talk with you. I'm always loving to hear what people are doing. Um, and you know, I'd love to learn from you as well. Absolutely. I was just gonna add something. Karen, I this was amazing. Uh, you were blowing my mind. <laughs> and um I noticed as I was cyber stalking you out here that you have a children's book. Yes, we do. About, and go ahead. About courage, in fact. Yes. And I'm buying this for my niece. So oh. it's funny. Lori and I were just talking about books for kids, and I'm like, this is perfect. Oh, oh my gosh. So thank you. I'm excited to share this with her. Oh, awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. Anybody else? All right. Well, let's get onto the funny stuff and then get you guys on out of here. Today's funny things. <laughs> this one just made me laugh. If I say I could eat, we got about 32 minutes before I am flat out a different person. <laughs> uh, who's this sign for? No keys. <laughs> <laughs> My kids just pounded on my office door yelling FBI open up while I was on a work call. So yeah, I'm totally looking forward to them going back to school in person. <laughs> uh, if you need me, I'll be in the KFC Sephora. <laughs> uh, I love this dad jokes one. I'm giving up drinking till Christmas. Wait, bad punctuation. I'm giving up drinking till Christmas. <laughs> and, on, and on that same theme, uh, <laughs> this one was great. Have you been drinking? Uh, yeah, the whole country's been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> and and my favorite, favorite funny thing of today, uh, um, sir, <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> Oh, and funny stuff to the good feels. Uh, did you guys see this? The whale sculpture that caught the train that busted through the end of the track in uh, in uh, Holland. Whoa! Yeah, saved, saved by the whale tail. That's probably the first time that's ever worked out. Oh, <laughs> if I remember rightly, the name of the sculpture also reinforces the story. And I'd have oh. to go Google it, but yeah. It doesn't oh, yeah. in the headline there, but go look. Yeah, I thought that was really, I thought that was really crazy. And uh, today's, today's semi-quarantine cocktail is, is the election night. And it's just tequila, a <laughs> lot of it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much. Uh, Wednesdays are my favorite days and you guys are my favorite people. Thanks so much to Karen Hurt for being here. Go pick up her book, Courageous Cultures, at any place you get books. It's even on Audible. That's where I got it. So um, grab it read it, listen to it, connect with her. Um, she's got a couple other books out there too. As you know, she has, she has a children's book and, uh, Karen, what the name of your first book, do you want to tell the folks so they can get that one too? Uh, winning well, a manager's guide to getting results without losing your soul. <laughs> I, I, I love that title. And you mentioned losing your soul in a couple of your, your other, uh, outputs out there. <laughs> Why is that important to you? 
you know, it's just, it's so we hear so often that, you know, managers are trying to do things to get the breakthrough results, but they're feeling like they're sacrificing their humanity in the process. And it really doesn't have to be that way. It does not. Be human, be empathetic. Go out there and have a great rest of your week, folks. Thanks again, Karen. Thank you. We'll okay, take care, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Thanks, week. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you had a good time and learned a thing or two at today's happy hour, please share it with your friends. If you want to join our tribe, head on over to skyteam.cloud forward slash TCB or email us at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again. And remember, you've always got friends at the Corporate Bartender.